to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. If it's taking longer than you thought it would to get pregnant, if you've been told you have a fertility problem, or even if you have a ton of friends who have faced fertility challenges and you're thinking about getting pregnant down the road, you might be freaking out a little, or chances are, even a lot. But please don't lose hope or confidence in your body. There's a lot you can do to supercharge your fertility, whether you're still trying to conceive the old-fashioned way or you've started on a fertility treatment journey, and the most powerful place to start is with the foods you eat. In fact, I recommend all women, even if not planning to conceive for a year or more, follow an optimal fertility diet, as not only does it improve the likelihood of conception, but it improves overall health for you and baby during pregnancy and beyond. While fertility is complex and every woman has her own journey, there is hope and there are foods and nutrients you can use to nourish your ovaries and your uterus, support immunity, reduce inflammation, and rebalance your hormones, all factors that can impact fertility, conception, and prenatal health. I've worked with women who have been trying to get pregnant for years, have tried everything, and finally, it was these simple but effective dietary and nutrient shifts that I'm going to share with you that seem to help them conceive. There are even a few little Avis and Avivas out there in the world of children named after me by very happy parents. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Welcome to episode 133 of Natural MD Radio. There's a wealth of data that shows our diets can make a powerful contribution to getting and staying pregnant. And while there are many reasons for fertility challenges, including PCOS, endometriosis, anovulatory infertility where you're not ovulating, and other causes, refining what you eat can have a profoundly positive impact on most root causes of fertility problems. Here's just a tiny sample of the available research. Of 5,598 first-time mothers in Australia, New Zealand, and New England and the United Kingdom, 2,204 women, or 39% of those, who generally avoided fast food in their diet conceived within one month of when they began having unprotected sex, while women who included fast foods in their diets four times a week had double the likelihood of still not having conceived at 12 months compared to the no-fast-food eaters. Researchers from the Harvard School of Public Health monitored the fat consumption of 147 women undergoing IVF treatment and discovered that those who ate the highest amount of monounsaturated fats, which I'm going to talk about in a bit, were 3.4 times more likely to have a child after IVF. They concluded that avocados contained the best kind of monounsaturated fat, while saturated fat was found to decrease the number of high-quality eggs. Increased consumption of red meat in that study, greater than once weekly, is also associated with a longer time to conception. Nutritional status also matters. Low ascorbic acid or vitamin D levels are associated with reduced ovarian function and reduced progesterone levels, consistent with a study that found when women were supplemented with ascorbic acid, their progesterone levels rose, their luteal phases lengthened, and their pregnancy rates increased. 
Women with low B12 or low folate have an increased risk of recurrent miscarriage, as do women with hypothyroidism and PCOS, all of which are influenced by nutritional status. Low vitamin E levels are connected with an increased risk of not ovulating. Low vitamin B6 has been found in women with miscarriage and prenatal nausea and vomiting. Vitamin D plays a role in helping women conceive with IVF. High homocysteine blood levels are associated with low folate and folic acid levels, and that's associated with low luteal phase progesterone and a 33% increase in the likelihood of not ovulating, while higher levels of folate are associated with higher progesterone levels and higher progesterone levels suggest ovulation. Low selenium is associated with increased risk of miscarriage, possibly due to its importance for healthy thyroid function and may influence fertility as well, as thyroid function definitely does. But the reality is, major studies have shown that most women in the U.S. and many other countries are chronically low in many of these nutrients. For example, one major study found that most women go into their childbearing years low in protein, B6, vitamin E, vitamin D, folate and folic acid, essential fatty acids, iron, iodine, calcium, zinc, and magnesium. What we do or don't eat influences your menstrual cycle, how regular it is, quality of your eggs when you ovulate, whether you ovulate, the health of your uterine lining, your immune system, your gut and and vaginal microbiome, all of which influence fertility. The best foods for fertility provide the information your cells and endocrine or hormone system needs to support conception and pregnancy and provide the essential building blocks of your hormones while helping to rebalance hormone imbalances, including insulin resistance, which for some is a hidden cause of inflammation, ovarian dysfunction, PCOS, and fertility challenges. In my medical practice, the optimal fertility diet is the foundation for all treatments. Even while I'm offering an individualized approach, I guide my patients on the same core nutritional pathway. And as I explain to my patients, while nobody ever wishes to have a fertility problem, 50% of pregnancies in the U.S. are unplanned, meaning women don't usually become pregnant with optimized nutrition. You'll actually have an advantage on that because you're intentionally creating that healthier nutrient status now, that will benefit you and your baby later, hopefully sooner than later. I'm going to show you now which foods to add to your diet or emphasize if you're already paying attention to eating healthy and what supplements to add that can really make a difference, not just in getting pregnant, but staying pregnant, having a healthy pregnancy and optimizing your baby's health. So what is an optimal fertility diet? The optimal fertility diet is based on the nutrition principles of undoubtedly the healthiest traditional diet in the world, the Mediterranean style of eating, and includes all of the components that health experts, regardless of what their basic diet plans and principles are, agree on, regardless of what camp they're in. This includes whole fresh foods, plenty of vegetables and fruits, ideally eight servings a day good quality protein, especially fish, eggs, and vegan sources as well, like legumes, healthy oils and fats, especially the monounsaturated ones I mentioned, like olive oil and avocados, nuts and ample seeds, slow-burning carbs in moderation. Here's exactly what to eat and what to skip to optimize fertility and pregnancy health once you do conceive. Whole organic foods, 
As a reminder, fast food consumption, as I mentioned, is related to lower fertility. In one large study, 39% of women who generally avoided fast food conceived within one month of starting to have unprotected sex, while women who included fast foods regularly had double the likelihood of not having conceived at 12 months. You really want to power up with a plant-based diet to help you conceive and also to have an optimally healthy pregnancy. Harvard scientists, in the largest ongoing study of women's health and their diets, found that increasing the intake of animal protein, even by as little as one serving a day, resulted in a 32% higher likelihood of ovulatory infertility, while women who ate less animal protein and instead ate even slightly more plant-based protein like beans, legumes, nuts, and seeds had a 50% decrease in their ovulatory infertility. So their fertility went up by 50%. Swapping even just one serving of animal protein for a whole grain serving daily also reduced ovulatory infertility, this time by 43%. Now, you don't have to be vegan. You can just up your plant-based diet um, food. So make sure that every day you're getting some whole grains, some legumes, eat a little less meat, even less red meat, and make sure that you're getting eight servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Now, the exception to the um, meat rule, if you will, is fish. Fatty fish can help you get pregnant. From PCOS to endometriosis, ovulatory infertility to period problems, fatty fish, especially those rich in omega-3 fatty acids, so salmon, sardines, anchovies, for example, improve gynecologic health and fertility. The most important thing, though, is to keep it low mercury forms and no more than 12 ounces a week total. To find out which are the low mercury fish, you can go to the National Resources Defense Council, the NRDC, or the Monterey Bay Aquarium, or the Environmental Working Group. All three have fantastic lists of which fish to eat and which fish to avoid. Now, usually these lists include the lowest mercury fish, medium amounts, and highest amounts. You absolutely want to avoid the highest ones, but I would recommend avoiding the middle ground ones when you're trying to conceive and pregnant as at, and when you get pregnant. You know, a study was done in New York looking at the mercury levels of a population of Asian women some years ago. And um, these were women who ate sushi frequently, so they had a lot of fish in their diet. And their blood levels of mercury, the women in their childbearing years, exceeded what were considered safe, acceptable lifetime limits of mercury. So take it really seriously, stick with the low mercury fish. Eggs are another important animal-based protein to include in an overall plant-based diet. It's no wonder that they're a symbol of fertility. They provide choline, which is essential for baby's brain development, and they're also and eggs are an especially rich source of this compared to all other foods. Eggs are also an excellent source of blood sugar balancing protein and energy. Is eating two eggs every single day too much? Actually, absolutely not. There's zero evidence that eggs cause heart disease or high cholesterol. And even if you do eat two eggs a day, supplementing choline is important. If you don't eat eggs, it's essential. What you wanna do is look for a good prenatal vitamin that has about 450 milligrams of choline in it, and then you'll be sure to be getting the um, adequate amount. I mentioned avocados a couple of times. Do you know that just 2% of your total daily calories in trans fats can increase your infertility risk by as much as 70%? 
That's what researchers from the Harvard School of Public Health found in one of the largest prenatal nutrition studies to date. That's the equivalent of just one small donut or a medium serving of fast food fries. Healthy fats, on the other hand, improve insulin sensitivity, reduce inflammation, and support healthy cycles and fertility. These same researchers found that amongst women going, undergoing IVF treatment, those who ate the highest amount of monounsaturated fats, so olive oil, avocados, nuts, and seeds, as I mentioned earlier, were almost three and a half times more likely to have a baby after IVF compared to women who ate more saturated fats. So really emphasize a half to one avocado a day, up to four tablespoons of olive oil a day, um, nuts and seeds. You don't have to have all of that every single day, but each day make sure that you're getting at least one of those, um, you know, half an avocado and two tablespoons of olive oil and a handful of uh, uh, pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds. Great, great addition to your diet. Now, I'm not about everyone going gluten-free. I'm not 100% gluten-free. I don't even put all my patients on a gluten-free diet. But when you're trying to get pregnant or struggling with a fertility challenge, I do recommend passing on the gluten. Celiac disease and possibly even non-celiac gluten intolerance can affect fertility, increase miscarriage risk, and is associated with additional pregnancy complications, particularly celiac. Uh, can affect pregnancy, causing preterm labor and other problems. Celiac disease also appears to play a role in endometriosis, leaky gut, and Hashimoto's, all of which impact fertility and pregnancy. So go gluten-free, not only until you conceive, but at least until you're about a year postpartum, because gluten can also affect your thyroid postpartum, and that can contribute to challenges with milk production and also contribute to postpartum anxiety or depression. Not sure you want to go gluten-free if you don't have celiac disease? You can ask your physician or your nurse practitioner or other licensed care provider, your naturopath, to run some celiac testing on you, and I talk about that over at a blog on my website, and I'll share that link for you um, in the podcast, in the blog that corresponds with this podcast, which you can find at avivaram.com forward slash 133. That's avivaram.com forward slash 133 for episode 133 of Natural MD Radio. Now, studies by Jorge Chavarro and others initially showed that women who ate full-fat dairy regularly versus low-fat dairy had a greater likelihood of conception. So it was initially thought that dairy was important for fertility. However, subsequent studies have shown some significant light on this. And the same authors, later looking at the evidence themselves, found that it's not the dairy itself that's likely contributing to improvements in fertility, but two other things, getting fat in the diet and calcium. That's what gave the fertility boost. So dairy in small amounts is part of a traditional Mediterranean diet. And I, again, I'm not about everyone going dairy-free either. However, when someone is trying to conceive, I generally recommend skipping the dairy because even organic dairy can have hormones that affect your hormones. So instead, I recommend ample daily intake of the other fats that I've mentioned and ample daily calcium intake from sources like tahini, lentils, garbanzo beans, leafy greens, sardines, and other healthful vegan sources, and getting a prenatal vitamin that'll have some calcium in it, and then 
Only occasionally enjoy dairy, no more than a couple of times a week, if you tolerate it without any symptoms. And if you do eat dairy, make sure it's 100% organic and full fat. Blood sugar balance and insulin sensitivity are essential to healthy ovulatory function and fertility. Women with a diet that's high in processed refined foods have nearly twice the risk of not ovulating and having infertility as a result as women with low glycemic loads in their, so they, they don't have high blood sugar and they don't have insulin resistance. A blood sugar balanced diet protects and enhances fertility reduces inflammation, reverses the insulin resistance that's commonly associated with PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, and has numerous other benefits that support healthy fertility. A diet with adequate good quality protein helps protect against insulin resistance. To eat for blood sugar balance, simply follow these three simple steps. Don't skip meals or ever let yourself get hangry. At each meal, make sure you include a good quality protein source that can be legumes, beans, nuts and seeds, fish, poultry, and less than once a week, red meat or uh, is okay. Plus at that meal, get a good quality fat, so olive oil, avocado, ghee is another healthy fat, plus a small amount of grain, plus your veggie serving. So each meal has protein, good quality fat, some whole grain, and veggie. Even if you're having something like oatmeal or another grain, add a protein and a healthy fat. So a lot of women will come to me and they'll say, oh, I eat really healthy, I eat oatmeal for breakfast every day. And then they tell me about their oatmeal or they show me their food journal and they're eating oatmeal with honey or a little organic brown sugar and raisins and a dollop of fruit sweetened yogurt. And by the time you add it all up, They've got several teaspoons worth of sugar in their morning oatmeal. It becomes a little bit more of a dessert than a meal um, and certainly not a blood sugar balanced meal, which is why a lot of times when you eat a meal like that for breakfast, you're famished two hours later and you're feeling cranky and hangry. So if you do have oatmeal, make sure that on the side you have a scrambled egg or a fried egg or a hard boiled egg or add some protein to your oatmeal by adding um, a tablespoon or so of almond butter and go low on the sugar. So instead of adding a lot of honey or sugar, even though honey can be very healthful, add some blueberries or something that adds um, a fruit serving to your daily diet or some chopped apples and some pecans or walnuts or something like that. And then the third thing to keep your blood sugar balanced is to avoid sugary foods and empty carbs like cookies, cake, and white flour, pastries that jack up your blood sugar in the short run, which makes us feel good in the moment, but then later causes a blood sugar drop. And we all know that feeling of being on a blood sugar roller coaster. It's also really important to hydrate, but to hydrate healthfully. Drinking enough water can actually improve your quality and quantity of cervical mucus, really important for fertility, reduces inflammation, is important for cellular health, and also prevents depression, fatigue, and keeps your brain sharper. So how much water? Aim for six to eight cups of water a day. What about wine? Is it okay to still have that glass of wine at night? Or, or what about coffee? Interestingly, most studies have not found conclusive evidence that either a small glass of wine occasionally, small glass occasionally, she repeats, or even a cup of coffee now and then, again, a cup now and then, interfere with fertility. 
though some small studies have found a little bit of a connection. In one study, for example, women who consumed more than 100 milligrams of caffeine a day, which is kind of a home-brewed coffee, Starbucks is going to be a lot more than that. It's the equivalent, basically, though, of one cup of premium coffee, were more likely to experience difficulty conceiving and had higher rates of miscarriage during pregnancy. So what do I recommend? I recommend erring on the safe side and avoiding both alcohol and coffee while trying to conceive. And I always recommend avoiding both completely during pregnancy. So if you can switch to green tea, which has less caffeine in it, um, keep your alcohol if you're going to drink to one one small glass a week at the most, you know, enjoy that if you want to have a little ritual of a little red wine with your dinner. But keep in mind that um, uh, alcohol does actually affect our hormones. It's one of the only foods, if you will, or things that we consume that's had a direct link found to breast cancer because it increases our estrogen. So just keep that in mind, um, you know, and, and kind of pay attention to your own body. And if you've really been struggling with fertility, then again, erring on the side of caution and booting the uh, alcohol in the coffee is probably worth it. Now, everyone who's trying to get pregnant and kind of like every human being, in my opinion, really needs to kick the soft drinks. Soft drinks, however, pose a specific fertility risk. According to the Harvard Nurses Health Study, women who had more than two sodas a day were 50% more likely to experience ovulatory infertility than women who drank less than one soda a week. So, Ixnay the soda. If you like the sparkling, get some sparkling water and put a little lemon in it. You know, you can have like a Spindrift or LaCroix, uh, LaCroix, as my grandchildren like to jokingly say. Uh, It actually may be pronounced that way. I don't know. Um, But, you know, have something that's sparkling, but um, not, has no sugar added. So finally, I want to share with you the nutrients that you can bump up Joe Kaha, bump up your fertility with. Well, ideally, we'd all be getting all that we need from our diet. Numerous nutrients are needed in optimum, optimal amounts for yours and baby's wellness. And as I mentioned, most women are going into their fertility years nutritionally depleted. These are the nutrients that can make a huge difference. And I, I want you to not be overwhelmed by the number that I'm going to talk about because most of these can actually be found in a prenatal vitamin. So you don't have to take six or eight different nutrients. I'll tell you the ones that need to be taken separately because you don't get enough in a prenatal, but most prenatals will have everything you need with the exception of the few things that I recommend adding on. And here's something else. Well, here are two other things. One, of fertility problems can be attributed to something going on in the female body. The rest are either the male body, at least 30%, and then some 10 10 or so, 20%, completely unknown. So one of the things that I always do in my practice when I'm working with the female partner or the person who's trying to conceive and get pregnant is to also have the partner who is providing the sperm to optimize their nutrition. Now, in my world, you're doing this for like six months at least before you get pregnant. So six months of supporting your body nutritionally. I have another podcast where I talk about should you detox before pregnancy? And it's not so much about detoxing, but it's about avoiding the things environmentally that we know alter our hormones, cause inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. And so ideally, um, you know, if you're doing this with a partner, um, and 
and or a person who's providing the the other half of the genetic material, having that person um, really optimize is is super ideal. Everything I'm sharing with you for the female partner is applicable for the other partner. So doing this as a couple, if you're with someone, um, if you're having a friend who's the donor, if that's the direction you're going in, if they can optimize, that's phenomenal. And certainly if your partner um, is a male struggling with um, uh, sperm production, sperm health, then this same nutritional plan can be really optimally beneficial for them, including the nutrients, not so much a prenatal vitamin, but a one a day and making sure that you're getting, that they are getting things like zinc and vitamin D, et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk also about where to get these nutrients. For those of you who are new to following me, you'll notice over on my website, unlike many wellness people and physicians, I don't sell any supplements directly. I don't have a product line that's named after me or anything. Um, I have it. I just really want to always make sure that you know that when I'm talking about information, there's not a sort of um, a back end attempt to try to sell you things that I make and then you can buy. That said, so many women feel overwhelmed and frustrated about what supplements to use. You know, you can go to a Whole Foods and stand in that aisle of supplements and just kind of be wringing your hands, not knowing what to pick. And it can be like 30 choices for magnesium alone. And I get it. And they're also often really expensive. In fact, most retail outlets are doing a 100 to 200% markup on the wholesale price. So you're really paying for them. And then when you go to somewhere like Amazon, I mean, even Amazon itself published an article uh, in the last two years saying that they couldn't even authenticate the quality or um, integrity of the supplements that they were selling, that some of them may actually be counterfeit. So you want access to the healthcare you deserve at a price you can live with. And I also want to make sure you get access to the best products because if I'm telling you things and you're using things that aren't what they say they are, then you're not going to get the effectiveness. And I really want what I share with you to help you. And I want you to get it as a price that you can live with. So I had to come up with a solution. And what I did is decided to make my patient formulary available to the general public at 20% off of the price that the company charges me to access the supplements. So you always get a 20% discount on the highest quality supplements that I use in my medical practice and for my family and my friends and myself. But instead of me pocketing that money directly, we give a substantial amount of that money in two directions. One direction is to supporting organizations that are focused on reducing maternal mortality for black indigenous women of color, and particularly with an emphasis on organizations that are led by black indigenous women of color. And we also subsidize scholarships for doulas, midwives, again, <clears throat> with an emphasis on black indigenous women of color who want to take my training programs. So um, the first year we did this, we were able to give away $30,000. This year, um, halfway through the year, we've already been able to donate as much as $70,000 um, to really address the black maternal health crisis facing our country. So I like to say that the difference that you make um, really makes a difference. The difference that you get from the wholesale price to the retail price, 
that you're paying when you buy the supplements at 20% off um, really makes a difference in other women's lives. So it's called Dharma Moms. It's an unofficial not-for-profit just because I haven't done the incorporation work. And if you're interested, you can find out the information at avivaram.com forward slash supplements, avivaram.com forward slash supplements. And look, you can get your supplements anywhere. I'm happy for you to get them wherever is best for you. I just wanted you to know about that option. So back to the supplements. So first things first is to start taking a prenatal vitamin. All women trying to conceive should take a high quality food-based prenatal vitamin and mineral supplement. And over at that supplement formulary, which is a third party that you'll click over to, um, you can see which ones I use in my practice. Women taking a prenatal vitamin are more likely to get pregnant, which is associated with, and it's associated with healthier pregnancies, lower rates of preterm birth, birth defects, and stillbirth. Unfortunately, many prenatal vitamins fall short on bridging what's called the phytonutrient gap, which means your actual needs and what you're getting in your diet and women's actual preconception and prenatal needs. So when you do decide on a prenatal, particularly if it's not one in the formulary that I share with you, check the label on the one you choose to make sure it includes all of the specific complement of nutrients I'm about to tell you about. And as always, don't worry about remembering all of this. I know you might be driving somewhere. Don't don't pull over and take notes. Certainly don't take notes while you're driving. If you're exercising, making dinner, whatever you're doing, you can always go over to my website. I create a corresponding article. So all the information's written out for you. And this set of information you'll find at avivaram.com forward slash 133. That's the numbers 133. So methylfolate and MTHR are um, topics that I talk about in an article and a podcast, and it's called MTHFR, WTF is it? MTHFR is really an important gene that allows us to metabolize and use folate from our foods and also uh, B12. During pregnancy, folate plays a critical role in the formation of your baby's chromosomes and nervous system, as well as your health. Adequate levels improve egg quality and prevent miscarriage and other pregnancy complications, including preeclampsia and placental abruption. It prevents neural tube and other defects in the baby and may protect against autism. For these benefits, however, you have to be getting adequate folate from your diet and folic acid from your food, from your vitamin. But if you have the MTHFR gene variation, you won't be getting enough necessarily. So what I recommend is making sure that when you take a prenatal vitamin, it has methylfolate in it. Methylfolate bypasses that gene variation and anyone can benefit from it. So it doesn't matter whether if you know if you have this MTHFR gene variation or not, everyone can take the uh, methylfolate. It's also really important that you be on it ideally before you conceive, because once you're in that first 28 days of pregnancy, that baby's neural tube tract is laying itself down and has to form properly and close properly. So everyone who is basically having sex ought to be, in my opinion, taking a prenatal vitamin and taking one that has methylfolate in it. How much do you want to take? 400 to 800 micrograms of methylfolate daily. 
if you only have folic acid or you know you don't have the MTHFR gene, then it's the same dose and then it's the dose of folic acid. Vitamin B6 is also really important for supporting healthy levels of progesterone, and that creates a healthy uterine lining for implantation. Many women enter pregnancy low in B6, especially if they've been using hormonal contraceptives like the birth control pill. It's best to take the active form, which is called pyridoxal 5-phosphate or P5P, in a range of 5 to 10 milligrams a day. Going into pregnancy with adequate B6 levels may also help prevent morning sickness, and it can also be supplemented at 50 to 100 micrograms a day um, if you do get um, that common pregnancy symptom, which I certainly did, and uh, it's miserable, so supplement to help yourself get through that. Iron is also important. In addition to plant-based sources of iron from your diet, a prenatal vitamin that contains 27 milligrams or so of iron reduces ovulatory infertility. Now, if you're pregnant and you're not iron deficient, you don't have to take a prenatal vitamin with iron. But if you have ovulatory infertility, if you're having trouble getting pregnant because of that, then the addition of iron really can make a difference. You want to use a form called iron chelate, which is non-constipating. Iodine is also critical to your healthy thyroid function and therefore healthy menstrual cycles, fertility, preventing miscarriage, and also preventing stillbirth. Once you're pregnant, it's also critical to your baby's thyroid function, brain development, and central nervous system development. Even mild iodine deficiency in pregnancy can affect your thyroid health and and not pregnant can affect your thyroid health and fertility and deficiency in pregnancy is associated with reduced IQ and cognitive development in the baby food sources include kelp dulse and other sea vegetables and seafood as well as iodized salt but a lot of folks especially if you're vegan might not be getting seafood or most folks are switching these days to other forms of salt like Himalayan salt or non-iodized salt, so you might not be getting enough. So you want to make sure that you're getting a daily dose of 200 to 250 micrograms of iodine. And again, the best way to get that is to get it in a prenatal vitamin. Getting excess, interestingly, can also suppress your baby's thyroid. So if you're taking an iodine supplement that exceeds that amount, for example, a lot of integrative or functional doctors will put women onto these high iodine dose supplements, which I just don't use in my practice. So for, for natural thyroid treatment, once you get pregnant, Make sure that you're not using that high dose and stick to the dose that I've mentioned. And I would recommend going to that dose once you're trying to conceive. So 200 to 250 micrograms a day. Choline, which I mentioned is very rich in eggs, is essential for your baby's neurologic development and signaling and cognitive function, especially memory, focus, and attention. Adequate intake may also prevent birth defects and actually provides your child, interestingly, with stress resilience and protection from anxiety. Now, I always recommend starting these things, again, a few months before you get pregnant so that you go into pregnancy optimized, not starting pregnancy already low and having to do catch-up dosing, which you can't just extra dose while you're pregnant to to kind of bump yourself up. So doing this for months before you get pregnant, again, I absolutely three months, ideally six months. If you find out you're pregnant tomorrow, no worries, just jump on these supplements. But if you can, 
get ahead of this, it's an amazing thing to do. And as I mentioned, um, it, you can eat eggs. That's the primary source. Beef is also, and a beef liver and calf liver are also very rich sources, but I don't actually recommend eating those during preconception because organ meats, particularly the liver, are involved in clearing out so many hormones and environmental chemicals that I prefer to have women avoid organ meats. I mean, if you're, you know, paleo and it's just how you live, you know, you hunt, that's what you do. Um, you know, you know the quality and source of your of your organ meats, maybe it's okay, but it's not something I recommend. And again, for choline, you want to get 400 to 450 milligrams a day, which would be in a prenatal vitamin. So if you're hearing all these, remember, don't freak out. You don't have to take all these separate supplements. Zinc is another really important fertility nutrient. It plays a role in ovulation, supports healthy estrogen and progesterone levels, and it's important for optimal immune function, which is also keep in mind, not just preventing colds and flu or this pandemic virus, but immunity is involved in conditions like endometriosis, where there's inflammation and immune dysfunction. Zinc also protects the developing egg against oxidative damage, supports healthy oocyte form development, which is the forming um, first cells of the baby, and is important for fetal brain development and function. Food sources of zinc include oysters and shellfish, seafood, beef, lamb, pumpkin seeds, and sesame seeds. So remember, you can eat some shellfish once in a while, red meat not more than once a week, and you can get pumpkin seeds and sesame seeds in your daily diet if you enjoy them. Toasted pumpkin seeds are delicious. And sesame seeds, I love eating a tablespoon or so of tahini every day, which is sesame seed paste, just right into my foods. You can make salad dressing. It's delicious on whole grains. It makes a wonderful sauce for steamed vegetables. I I eat it almost every day. And your prenatal vitamin should supply between 15 and 45 milligrams of zinc a day. Now, I mentioned that there may be a few nutrients that wouldn't fall within what's in your prenatal vitamin adequately. So everything I've mentioned so far, you can get in one prenatal vitamin, you can get a one a day that will have what you need. But there are three things that you won't get enough of in a prenatal vitamin or get at all. And that's omega-3 fatty acids, which play an essential role in conception, the formation and development of baby's early cells and the embryo, and higher intake is associated with better ovarian reserve and higher rates of conception. Ovarian reserve is also really important if you're trying to get pregnant in your late 30s, early 40s, because as we get older, our ovarian reserve goes down. So higher rates of conception by taking omega-3 fatty acids daily. Your intake of DHA, which is part of that omega-3 fatty acid complex, is also critical for baby's brain and neurologic development, may prevent preterm labor, regardless of other risk factors. And interestingly, a couple of studies have shown that it too can improve stress resilience, including even to severe social stressors, while EPA, the other portion of the omega-3 fatty acids that you'll get in a supplement or when you eat fish, can prevent prenatal and postpartum depression in mama. I recommend a combined dose of two grams daily while you're trying to conceive, and then a combined DHA, EPA, either from fish oil or a vegan source that's designed as a prenatal um, EPA, DHA. So for example, Nordic Naturals, you'll find over on my website, I have no financial relationship with them, um, but they make a prenatal 
EPA, DHA, that will contain a really nice um, blend for you. Another one that you won't find adequately in a prenatal vitamin, if at all, is vitamin D. And that plays a really strong role in sex hormone production. It's associated with improved fertility as a result. It can reduce insulin resistance in women with PCOS and plays a role in preventing and treating fibroids and endometriosis. It promotes healthy follicle formation in the ovaries and in studies of women undergoing IVF, women with higher vitamin D levels not only have pregnancy rates 35% higher, but higher quality embryos compared to those who are low in vitamin D. It also appears to prevent preterm labor. Food sources include fish, the fatty fish that I've mentioned, eggs, and also cod liver oil. Sunshine is, of course, an important source, but most people don't get enough from sunshine, and even dietary sources and sunshine combined aren't usually enough to meet fertility and pregnancy needs, particularly if you're having challenges around fertility. The amounts in prenatal vitamins are typically far lower than needed, so I recommend taking a separate vitamin D. For most women, 2,000 IUs of vitamin D3 daily will take care of deficiency, but if you can, it's ideal to have your level checked and then supplement accordingly. An ideal level is 50 to 80 nanograms per deciliter, but women with a level over 30 have the greatest chances of getting pregnant. So you wanna aim for at least a level of 30. And under 30 is actually considered insufficient. Under 20 is deficient. So you just wanna make sure that you're at a sufficient level. And for most people, 2,000 units of vitamin D3 daily will do that. But you can take up to 4,000 units of vitamin D3 daily quite safely for several months. So if you wanna bump up your level a little bit, you can do that. The only people that it's really contraindicated for is if you have a condition called sarcoidosis. Finally, the third nutrient, if you'll call it that, allow me the poetic uh, license of calling it that, that you won't get in a prenatal vitamin is a probiotic. And probiotics may augment fertility, conception, including with IVF, and healthy pregnancy in a variety of ways. Disruption in the vaginal microbiome can favor the growth of organisms that interfere with fertility and increase risks during pregnancy, including miscarriage and preterm birth. Women undergoing IVF often have higher levels of bacterial vaginosis and abnormal vaginal flora, which is now suspected to be a cause of the infertility that led them to go seek the IVF in the first place. And um, it, BV may also interfere with IVF success. Probiotics can also help reduce inflammation and regulate blood sugar, important for women with PCOS, endometriosis, and other conditions. Taking a probiotic containing a broad spectrum of lactobacillus species may provide you with a fertility advantage, and an added benefit is that taking a probiotic with lactobacillus, rhamnosus, and other species during pregnancy can help prevent urinary tract infections, gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, as well as prenatal and postpartum depression and anxiety, and women who take a probiotic through the third trimester may help prevent eczema, allergies, and asthma in their babies. So what can you expect? First of all, most statistically, it's common for it to take 12 to 24 months to conceive no matter what. So I recommend not putting a label of infertility on yourself until at least six months of trying to conceive on the regular, no birth control, having sex regularly throughout your cycle, when you're fertile also, of course. And I really ask my patients to give it 12 months of trying 
because it can really take that long when following a natural root cause-based approach to boosting your fertility or restoring your fertility. Here's the bottom line. There's a 90% chance that most women will conceive during that 12 to 24 month period. And by optimizing your fertility, it's often going to take far less. I've had patients in my own practice who'd been given an infertility diagnosis years prior, had tried everything, and became pregnant in months with a holistic approach and without any medical fertility treatments. But a holistic approach can include optimizing your diet, and that's been shown to improve assisted fertility outcomes and natural approaches to fertility, the old-fashioned way, as I'll call it. It also not only improves your health now, but for the long run. So it's a win-win. I invite you to try. And should and when you have a little one as a result, please do send me pictures. I can't wait to see. Thank you so much for joining me on Natural MD Radio. I hope this gives you support, hope, tools that you can try, and the outcome of your dreams. See you next time. hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.